Welcome to the Wise Wealth Management Roundtable, where we believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith. Guiding you to financial freedom are my co-hosts, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett. Hi, Brad. Hi, Casey. How are you doing? Good. Matthews? Good morning. How's it going? Doing great. Benjamin Franklin has a quote that says, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. I think that goes great with our uh, podcast today, focused on financial planning. I'm amazed that there are many different versions of what financial planning means. Kind of like budgeting, I guess. Right? Right. My wife thinks that budgeting means that she can't get her nails done and we have to eat ramen noodles. And uh, I maintain that budgeting means every dollar has a purpose. So I'm sure the same is with financial planning. Matthews, how, how would you define financial planning? Well, financial planning is, is a process. It's not really a product, more of a, a blueprint, kind of the foundation that you, that you build upon. Unfortunately, not everybody has a financial plan. According to a 2019 study by Charles Schwab, only 28% of Americans actually have a written financial plan. They cited a few different reasons for that. A lot of clients felt that maybe financial planning was too complicated for them. Possibly they didn't have enough money to do any planning, so they were just going to try to wing it and get by and see what happens. A lot of different reasons. But according to the CFP board, financial planning is is really broken down into a a few different categories. Risk management insurance is kind of the foundation of financial planning. And then investments, retirement planning, income tax planning, and estate planning. Those are all encompassing bigger aspects of the financial planning process. I think that's a good point. Most people feel like that they don't have enough to financial plan with yet. Let's say you're 25 years old. What do you think financial planning looks like? Well, financial planning for a 25-year-old and a 65-year-old is probably different, or 55-year-old is probably different. They would like to retire at some point, but that's not the first thing on their mind. For a 25-year-old, we might looking at some some debt management through their student loans or possibly a, a first-time home purchase. If they're, they're parents with young kids, we need to start working on college planning. And when you look at the big lump sums of of numbers of how much it costs to get into college or what you have to have to retire. Those numbers can be pretty overwhelming, but when you break it down into different steps and goals and how to get there, it becomes a lot more manageable. You know, another statistic that I see a lot is household debt. I think a lot with people 40 and under, even over 40 really, but 40 and under debt seems to be growing. And sometimes I think a financial plan can be as simple as, okay, we're going to stop living beyond our means and we're going to start and stop paying 18% interest on credit cards and and buying stuff we don't need to be buying and just focus on living with, as Dave Ramsey says, financial peace, right? Right. So sometimes financial planning, I think, is just starting with baby steps, getting something in an emergency reserve fund, getting debt-free, and then starting to build for a future self. I know you've got a lot of experience in financial planning you're a CFP yourself. Can you tell us like the professional definition of the financial planning process or what the CFP has for financial planning? Financial planning in itself is a collaborative process that helps maximize a client's potential for meeting their life goals through financial advice. It integrates relevant elements of the client's personal and financial circumstances. So that's the technical definition. How would you approach that as a practitioner? Um, I can shorten that definition. Yeah, yeah. you want to give me a, a, a layman's version of that? We help people get what they want, given what they have. There you go. Yeah. 
Why would they just write that to begin with? <laughs> I don't know. But when you look at it from the client side, that makes a whole lot of sense. It's like a whole different topic, but it's like mission statements. You read some of these company mission statements and you, you wonder how they come up with this stuff, you know? It's too simple. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. In the end, the simplest approach is always the best. All right, so walk me through the process. I want to do a financial plan. What do I need to do? The main thing, you need to know what are your goals. Just having the different accounts and assets don't really mean anything if there's no purpose for them. So I think that one of the biggest points of financial planning is really understanding you know, kind of what are your goals and objectives, whether that be to buy the house or get out of debt or maybe nearing retirement and, and need some retirement income, planning that process out. So it starts with your goals and then how the assets are, are part of helping you achieve that. That's interesting. So I guess it's a bit like organizing things first. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, like we said, it's kind of your blueprint, your foundation for moving forward and how you're going to achieve those goals. You know, you don't just go build a house without having a plan for it. You know, when you're riding down the road, you, you have a, a way that you're going to get through traffic and to your destination. You might use ways or some way to, to help that out, but uh, you need to have a plan to, in order to get there. You don't, it doesn't just happen. Well, one of the things the plan does is help prioritize goals. Right. And I think that's what you're alluding to when you said that the difference between a 25-year-old wanting to do a financial plan and a 55-year-old doing a financial plan, the planning process is, is very similar. However, the prioritization of the goals is very different. Absolutely. I would think that 55, 65 years old are more focused on getting ready for retirement or right. entering retirement. Where 65 plus certainly would be about cash flow, right? making sure that uh, they can meet all their obligations. And I don't think that's addressed. I think that's more of what's come along the last few years recently is retirement income planning. You need to have some type of plan to get you down the mountain, as they say, not what you've been able to accumulate those assets. Some firms, I think, might prey on those fears about how you're able to achieve that. But I think you still need to have some type of plan in order to, to achieve those goals. Right. So... Going back to uh, the process, it sounds like financial planning is just painful. Like I'm going to, I'm going to show up at your firm and and I'm going to have to divulge maybe some of the things I did wrong for the last ten years versus what I was supposed to do. It's not a judgmental process, that's for sure, but it is a uh, a detailed process. You need to know most aspects of a person's life, not just financially, but but emotionally as well. And like you said before, it's kind of a, a counseling aspect to this, not just the planning side of things. Right. We've all made crazy mistakes with money from time to time. No. Yes. <laughs> Some of them have been, been the funnest things we've ever done. Buying a boat was not the right thing for, for us to do financially when, when I did that. Right. But since the years that we've done it, we've had more fun than you can imagine. So it may have been the right thing for the family and not being able to do things together, but financially it may not have made the most sense. They say buying a boat is not the most intelligent decision you're going to make financially in our lives. Right. It's probably true. Or a pool. You know what BOT stands for, right? What is that? Break out another thousand. <laughs> <laughs> or a pool or an airplane. <laughs> I, a, right. lot, a lot of different hobbies that yeah. you could. But we've uh, all done it. Activities you could add to that, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that's an, that's very important. Understanding that it's something at, at our firm that I never want a client to leave with is, you know, we're, we're all supposed to eliminate that. We're supposed to save for retirement, save for college, save for our own emergency savings. And sometimes you can't check all the boxes. And that's part of a, that's part of a good plan. Yeah. Prioritization is very important in the plan. Although the process is holistic, 
about all the checkboxes you just mentioned. There are those that are more important at different stations in life, you know, at different times right. and would, you know, need to be addressed first. So before we start diving into what a plan should be made of, I've noticed people coming into our firm that even at financial firms, planning means something different. You guys have any insight on, on why that is, why so many different firms have so many different ways of planning? Well, I think it's a newer term. I'm still trying to figure out what, what encompasses financial planning. We kind of touched on it previously in another podcast about what the planning process was. You know, some firms use that as a sales tactic to sell certain products, whether that be insurance or, or other proprietary funds. I think that other firms, they like to manage the assets and have a, a so-called planning side of things. But the, the main objective is, is just managing the assets it's important to understand what's the purpose of the financial plan. Right. It's definitely part of our process here is every single client here is going to have a financial plan. 95% of them fully buy into that. And we have 5% we drag kicking and screaming through the process. But as fiduciaries, we have to work to the best interest of the client. And I don't believe that this firm, we're going to be able to give the best advice if we don't understand the whole picture. And it's, it's reversed. I think what, what some big companies are doing is they're looking for the next sale. And the more they know about your tax return, the more they know about your overall picture, the more they can realize what products fit into your box, right? Where our approach here has, has and, and for many, most fee-only, all fee-only firms, I think I could venture out and say that, that the planning is the beginning of the process to manage the assets because the plan develops the asset allocation and how you should be investing going forward. A lot of times we take risk off the table for clients through the planning process. Client thinks they have to be very risky, but in the end, part of the asset allocation plan shows us that they don't have to be that risky. That we can de-risk the portfolio because the plan shows that they're going to live their lifestyle just fine. Well, it is important that we allow the plan to drive the outcome rather than the outcome to be justified somewhere inside the plan. Right. And by allowing the plan to drive the outcome, it's only then that we can realize exactly how any assets need to be managed in order to achieve that outcome. That's all part of the outcome. And if we can de-risk a client's portfolio in order, in order to achieve that, we're only required to meet the required rate of return in order to achieve the outcome. And that's what's an important aspect of financial planning is what is the actual outcome? What is it that we're managing towards? What are the goals of the client? And I I think that's shown differently as well. Even your 401k provider normally has online, it'll project linear what your your income and retirement would be based on those that growth projection. That's not really showing the different returns of the good and the bad, unfortunately. And that doesn't incorporate other aspects of your life. So I think that there are different tools out there, but not are all the same. So I think it, it depends on how, how you're encompassing everything. How the firm approaches and sees financial planning. Is right. it to give it the best unbiased advice or is it to sell product? That, right. That's very important. I think some sign, a sign that your plan is probably not in depth enough is when they do it in front of you in 20 minutes. Correct. It should definitely be uh, a lot longer than 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> probably at least two or three meetings, at full least. meetings at a minimum. So let's let's go a step further. We meet a lot of Excel spreadsheet warriors that come in and, and have uh, Excel spreadsheets of their entire lives scripted out and not just so much asset allocation, but cash flows and things like that. 
related to portfolios. And what I find interesting is the assumptions that you build into a plan. So Brad and, and Matthews, you're, you're both CFPs. What are some planning assumptions that you'd put into a plan? Well, a couple of the assumptions are what the expected rate of inflation is over the number of years. And unfortunately, I, I think that most people who try and do this on their own don't extend out far enough. That our expected our life expectancies at retirement is a good 20 years or more quite easily. And they're not extending that rate of inflation and the effect that it has on our purchasing power 20 years out. And so inflation, even when it's low, is a very important assumption that needs to be properly applied. I would say that's correct. And, and kind of to that point is also healthcare expenses. I think that's a often overlooked aspect of financial planning. You know, if the client's not 65 and retired on Medicare, then there's going to be some high cost of, of living to pay for those, those healthcare expenses. Healthcare inflates five or six percent, which is well over the, the inflation rate. So that adds up over time. Yeah, six percent reminds me of college savings rates right. or uh, college inf- inflation rates. Six point zero five percent, I believe, the last few years average increase in college expenses. So if you invested it all in the S and P five hundred and you hoped you crossed your fingers that you get an eight percent rate of return over even just ten years, you're still only gaining on college by two percent per year. Which right. is uh, crazy to think about. And what you just said is eight percent a year. That's highly unlikely in a linear projection side of things. We we like to run a, a Monte Carlo simulation, which is normally about a thousand simulations of that. So it shows the good and the bad times. So it's not not going to always be the up markets that you're you're investing in or, or withdrawing in. So we need to project the different scenarios. Yeah, that's that's very true. Excel spreadsheets and most online planners are built on a very linear fashion. That's right. Where they assume 7% or 6% per year. And even growth. And even growth. And that's not how it actually works, which we experienced here in 2020 already. And that brings up another assumption that you just mentioned, and that is that the long-term growth are really the long-term capital market assumptions for different asset classes. So what is the long-term capital market assumption return for large cap equities, mid cap equities, small cap equities, or fixed income? And some of the different other asset classes that are used to build a diversified portfolio, then how is that all blended together in order to provide a required rate of return to meet those that outcome that the client has has asked for through the financial planning process that we've we've uncovered? Yeah, you think about other assumptions too. So let's say I retire and my portfolio drops by 20% the first year. Ouch. Should I be concerned? Not if you had a plan. Why? Because we build, build that into the plan. I think a lot of people that are doing it by themselves have the projection that they're able to take out the, the 4% rule. goes back to William Bangin starting the, the 4% rule, that they'd be able to withdraw 4% of their assets and be able to live off that in retirement. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen should 2008 happen right when you're retiring. It's kind of tough to recoup those losses while you're withdrawing from the account. But can't we assume that in a plan somehow? Absolutely. Like that would be important. Right. Yeah. I, I don't want to plan leaving this firm, leaving the doors out with a client that we haven't assumed some type of catastrophic market event for at least a couple of years. Right. And we, and we build certain buffers into our plans. We have you retiring at two years of down markets in order to show that that sequence of return, not in your favor, kind of the worst case scenario for you. 
which I think is important. If that were later in your retirement, it's not as big of a deal. But when you're retiring and that sh- and that would happen if you have a plan for it, and that could be a big issue. You mentioned Monte Carlo. I think gambling for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a way to gamble a place. Unfortunately, it, it's it's not gambling. It's just running different simulations of good and bad, various other factors to help incorporate everything into that. So you're not focused on yes or no. You're more focused on probabilities of success. Correct. It's run on a probability. Interesting. So let's go back up a step and let's talk about the different areas of planning. So most people think it's just about retirement, but planning also should encompass other areas as well. Yes. The comprehensive plan is going to include multifacets of our of our lives, our taxable circumstances, our investment planning circumstances, retirement planning, estate planning for final disposition right. of assets. And within that are different categories as well, such as college funding planning for, for younger parents, cash flow needs analysis, etc. Matthews? I think social security optimization as well. People read a lot of what they've heard on TV or what somebody is telling them. They might think that the earliest they can get it, the better, but that could be the case, but sometimes it's not. So you really need to know how that incorporates into your plan and what's what's the best strategy. There's a lot of different strategies for that. Okay. Uh, what about like property casualty? That's another way you can lose assets is by not being insured properly. That is, I think that, you know, that's the foundation of, of financial planning is you need to have the protection, the risk management side of things. We don't sell any products at our firm, but we do have different firms that we work with. It could be life insurance, whole life or term, long-term care. Uh, you mentioned property and casualty. What we've run across a lot lately is clients that might not have an umbrella policy to protect them in the event that something happens that is not covered by their, their property and casualty liability. It does beg the question in some respects, does everybody's plan look the same? If you're using the same process to review everybody's financial circumstance, does everybody's plan the same? And I think the answer to that is, is no. Everybody's right. plan is unique to them, right? given their goals, their situation, their station in life, what they want to accomplish, what their family is, if they have special needs within within their family. So I think that one thing that someone should look for when they're working with somebody to produce a financial plan for them is the unique aspects of that plan relative to their own personal situation. Yeah, we see that in all of our plans. A very common question is, well, do I have enough for retirement? And the answer is always, it always depends, right? That's right. There's clients that are living comfortably and very happily on $35,000, a year in income debt-free. And you have other people who, if they have less than $200,000 a year in free cash flow, they're panicking. Every client has unique needs, which requires a unique plan for each one of those. Certainly picking and choosing, you know, some families don't need to do college planning. Some people don't have to have any kind of debt analysis done. I think I'll add is one of the big things I see in planning, and you guys can speak to this too, is the elimination of a mortgage. There's so many firms out there that believe that just because we're in a low interest rate environment, that you should not pay off your mortgage. And I think that that is just a conflict of interest in their advice because the more money that they keep in their firm in their products, the more money they make. But in reality, yes, you can maybe get, let's, let's assume 6% or 4%. Let's say the market gives you 
and your mortgage is a 15-year, 2.5% mortgage, you do make that spread, that difference between the two, right? But there's a piece knowing that when Corona of 2020 comes in unexpectedly and the market declines very rapidly, and you're not quite sure what's happening other than you have to stay home, knowing that your home's paid off. You're not dependent on the Dow or the S&P to produce your mortgage payment in the future. And people don't take that into account. And it's something that this podcast is not supposed to be an advertisement for Wiser at all, but it's something that, that happened over the corona time period was the thank you emails that we got from thank you so much for convincing me to pay off my mortgage because I have a lot less anxiety now. And I believe that that adds life to your family, you personally. Because yeah. that's less stress that you are under. But that all comes out of the planning process. It's running different scenarios with mortgage, without mortgage. Right. And I, I don't think it's just the mortgage. The mortgage is a big piece of that. But having that plan allows you to have that peace of mind. You're not just winging it as you go or in retirement. You, you've you planned for all that. So now you, you have that peace of mind. Well, it's through the planning process that you learn that you can perhaps pay off a mortgage and still have enough to meet all your other goals. But without going through the planning process, you may not know it. Correct. You may wonder, and then fear of wonder may stop you from actually doing it. And the reality is, if you pay off your mortgage, it's like a tax-free raise in your disposable income. Right. And a lot of people think that they're not getting the tax deduction on their interest anymore, where <laughs> really nobody's getting that deduction right. anymore with, right. the, with the current rules in place. Didn't mean to to hone in on uh, paying off a house, but I think that's a great example of what comes out of a planning process that people are surprised by if the assets are there to be able to to, to make that happen. Another important part of planning is, you said it earlier, was the income planning. You might have pensions or Social Security payments and, and then planning those out along with inflation. I always tell people it's really easy to be retired tomorrow because you just look at your current cost. Your current income, oh yeah, that that works. But it's hard to be retired 20 years from now. Right. There's inflation that builds up. Did, did milk cost the same thing it did 20 years ago? Did gas cost the same thing as 20 years ago? No. no. And so the, those are harder projections for most people to make without the help of modern planning software. So I guess what we're what we're learning here is different companies do financial planning differently. And to make sure that you're getting a correct financial plan done, you want to make sure that the planning process is not being used to sell more product. That at the end of the process, you have deliverables, you have action items, not related to any product sales. That's important. Right. It's a process. It's a, a living, breathing document. You can't guarantee a lot of things in this industry, but you can almost guarantee that it, the plan will change somehow. So you need to, to currently stay on top of it and, and update it and not just have the one-time plan. That needs to be an ongoing process. And modern technology helps with that. Most planning software that's available out there is allowing the end user, the client, to have a a portal access to it. So it's not just available in a 80-page paperweight that goes on your shelf. You never touch it again. It's available on your mobile phone. And you can even link in budgets to it and be able to interact with that plan almost on a daily basis. Although you probably should at least monitor the big picture once a year, right? I think monitoring is a key element to financial planning. Given that our lives do change and circumstances change within the year, an annual review is is a really smart thing to do for most people. And then 
really planning is for everybody. It is. People think it's just for the wealthy. It, it can be for the 20-year-old right out of college. It can be for somebody retiring or, or even in retirement. Um, there's various aspects to financial planning. The important aspect is that you have a plan. What are you planning for and what is in that plan? I think statistics show that people who have a plan feel more confident about their finances than people who don't have a plan. Have you seen some information on that, Matthews? I have. So uh, actually on that Schwab study, they also found that financial planning helps people's confidence. It's 63% of people with a written plan felt confident about their whatever their, their goal was in that plan, as opposed to only 28% of people who didn't have a written plan. So that's a pretty significant difference in, in confidence levels with having a plan and not having a plan, regardless of what the plan is, just having some written down and, and having something to, to move forward to. Which goes back to my point earlier, it was wealth management. Every single client has a financial plan, which is maybe why we have such a confident bunch around here. It's because everybody has a plan. <laughs> it's good to have a plan. Good to have a plan. That's it for uh, this podcast. We look forward to talking to you on our, on our next edition. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.